0: You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for October 15th, 2023, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend John Kennedy. It's based on Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Have you ever felt like you weren't wearing the right clothes? Like you were improperly dressed for the occasion? This could have been a cocktail party, a dinner party, a job interview, a first date, First day of school, graduation, a wedding, a funeral, Easter Sunday, or perhaps just any Sunday at church. Or perhaps you've had one of those dreams where you're in public, and then all of a sudden you realize you're not wearing the right clothes, or enough clothes, or, or any clothes at all. We care about dressing for the occasion because clothing can have consequences, And this becomes especially clear, quite often, when we're not wearing the right clothes. In many social situations, our hosts, the ones in charge or the ones we're seeking to impress, the ones perhaps we need to impress, might be testing us, assessing us, judging us even, however quietly or subtly, to see if we fit in, to see if we belong, if we have the right stuff, if we know their rules and can play by them. And a big part of such tests is very often what we're wearing. We see one such test on an episode of The Crown, the historical historical drama series about the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. And this episode is titled The Balmoral Test. Now Balmoral Test, of course, is named for Balmoral Castle, the Scottish residence of the royal family where Queen Elizabeth would spend her summers and uh, was on a lush green expansive estate where the royals and their guests would hunt and uh, pursue other outdoor sports. And though the historical accuracy of the crown is is iffy at best very often, uh, the historical accuracy of this Balmoral test seems to be pretty solid. It, It is or at least was a real thing. It was a way for the royals to examine potential spouses, like Princess Diana, as well as other distinguished guests, like Prime Ministers. Being invited to the castle was itself a relative rarity, but of course, that wasn't enough. You had to pass the test once you were there. So if you received an invitation, you would do well to brush up on your royal protocol, to have a wealth of talking points for all conversations, and an outfit for every occasion, from hunting to black tie. In the episode, The Balmoral Test, we see two very different women, Princess Diana and Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, being tested through this prism of the strange etiquette and rules, which are kind of unreadable at various turns of the royal family. Now, Diana, who's actually the second one to be tested in this episode, she passes. She's from the right sort of family. She has a naturally charming personality. So all is good there, except it's not because of Prince Charles, King Charles. But that's another story that I won't get into here. Um, But Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, on the other hand, does not have such a smooth experience at the castle. Uh, For example, she and her husband show up for pre-dinner drinks on their first day there, dressed for dinner. They're trying to figure out what should we wear for cocktails. They, they have the dress code for dinner given, black tie, and they figure cocktails is before dinner, so we'll show up dressed for dinner for cocktails. Seems like a good idea. Well, apparently not. Uh, the royals are all still in their casual outdoor clothing, and it is really awkward. Uh, later, Thatcher is either unwilling or unable to relax and play a silly after-dinner drinking game, which again does not help her situation or her standing. And worst of all, when they go hunting the next day, it is revealed that she did not bring any outdoor clothing or any outdoor shoes to this estate known for its outdoor pursuits. She wears a bright royal blue business suit (laughs) to go hunting uh, with black dress shoes and the rest of the the royals are wearing, you know, drab shades of green and brown suitable for the climate and the activities. So the queen has to lend her a pair of shoes. Definitely a faux pas. Now, even though much of the crown is, is embellished and sometimes outright fabricated, it seems, this Balmoral test situation, especially the one with Thatcher, seems to be on solid historical footing because she would describe Weekend's at Balmoral as purgatory. And it is known from a good source that she did not bring the right shoes to her first visit to the castle. Needless to say that she did not pass the royal's test here. In the story that Jesus tells in today's gospel, we get another such test. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven may be compared with a wedding banquet. One that everyone, by the way, is invited to. But when the king, who throws this banquet, comes in to see the guests, see all these people who have been invited, he notices somebody who doesn't wear, is not wearing a wedding robe. And the king says to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And this this man is speechless. So the king says, "Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. And I thought the royal family was tough. This is a whole nother level. What's going on here? Isn't Jesus about radical welcome and inclusivity? Wouldn't Jesus be above judging people for what they're wearing or if they fit the dress code? Why then is he telling the story about a man getting violently ejected, from a wedding banquet because he's not wearing the right thing. Is Jesus saying that God is in some ways like the royal family or, or other human groups and institutions who judge people based on whether they meet their expectations and then reject them if they don't? Well, all throughout the Gospels, including the Gospel of Matthew, which we're looking at today and all throughout the season, we see Jesus welcoming and including Outcasts, sinners, people who are very much at the margins of society, in the discard pile. People who would not measure up to the sorts of tests we've been talking about. We see Jesus teaching non-judgment, withholding judgment, non-violence, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, over and over again. And not only does he teach these things, he lives these things. And Jesus, we say, is what God is like. What God is like when he takes on flesh and blood. So I don't think that Jesus is saying that God is like this. That God will throw you out if you fail some sort of obscure test. I think that Jesus tells this story because even though God is in many ways, in most ways, always we could say, more compassionate, more generous, more understanding, more inclusive than the royal family or any human being and any human group for that matter, Our situation with God is a much weightier matter in some very real ways than, let's say, Margaret Thatcher's predicament with the royal family. Because while Thatcher failed this test, the Balmoral test, all that really meant is that she wasn't admitted to the inner circle of the royal family. And while that might hurt a little bit, there's more to life than that. Life goes on, and so in some ways, it's not really that big of a deal. But when it comes to God, well, there's not really much more to life than our connection with God. It's, it's kind of everything. If the connection is there, if it's alive, then, then we are alive, because God is our source, our creator, the one we were created for. So if the connection is not there, we're a little bit like an iPhone on low battery. We will need to plug in or charge up soon if we want the depth and richness of life that we are longing for. If we turn away from our source for too long, we find ourselves in the sort of outer darkness that Jesus describes in this story, an outer darkness of of despair, of confusion. Now, just take a look at how profoundly unhappy our society is. Let's take a look at how profoundly violent our world is. I think that speaks for itself. Now, the wedding banquet in the story represents the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us as much. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God as something that is coming, something that we will experience later. But equally, he talks about it as something that is present and available and real here and now, everywhere, that the kingdom of God is simply waiting for us to recognize it and to enter into it. So what then is this wedding robe that Jesus speaks about? What is this wedding robe that seems to be necessary in some ways to stay or at least remain in the kingdom of God, in this wedding banquet that everybody is invited to? Because clearly it's a metaphor. There's not actually a wedding robe that we need to purchase or otherwise procure to, uh, to be in the presence of God. Christians have been commenting and speculating about the wedding robe basically as long as this passage has been in existence, in circulation. And St. Augustine, one of the great Christian commentators and theologians, said, whatever can this wedding robe be? And he says, for an answer, we must go to St. Paul who says, and this is from the first letter to Timothy, that the purpose of our command is to arouse the love that springs from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and the genuine faith. Love that springs from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. This is the wedding garment. Augustine goes on to say that without love, my confession of the name of Christ will get me nothing. It's really all about this kind of love welling up from within. Because when Jesus calls us, he doesn't just call us to believe in him and to tell other people to believe in him and build churches in his name and stuff like that. Jesus calls us to live in a communion with him, a communion with God through him that is so deep that his life becomes our life. And so that what we do, how we appear in the world, the sort of clothing we wear, if you will, looks like Jesus, that we begin to resemble Jesus, that that is the evidence that he is alive in us, that that is the evidence that we are really living in the kingdom of God. Now, we'll never get this perfectly, not in this life, and that's okay. I don't think that's what it's about. Rather, it's about keeping the flame alive, keeping the connection going, keeping the connection open, keeping that flame of Christ's love and presence alive and burning within us. This is in itself the wedding banquet that Jesus describes. It's the greatest consolation and source of joy we could possibly find in this life. And we are all invited. So let's keep the fire alive. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website,